You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 77. On today's show, I chat with lighting designer Ebony Madry. We discuss multiple streams of income for live event workers, or as someone described to me after the event, multiple streams of income for everyone. We chat about the challenges of multiple income streams, what they look like for arts workers, and cover examples of people in the entertainment industry who have multiple streams of income. This episode was recorded live in Las Vegas, USA at Live Design International, the leading trade show and conference for live design professionals around the world. I hope you enjoy listening to this talk as much as Ebony and I had presenting it. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. A couple notes before we get to the discussion. Near the end, we give examples of artists who have multiple streams of income. Everyone we mention has previously been a guest on Artistic Finance. You can find links to their episodes in the show notes or on the episodes page of our website, artisticfinance.com. Our presentation was moved from a breakout room to the show floor, which was a great location. However, because of that, the only audio we have is not clean. Additionally, you'll hear an interruption from a Tesla coil. A Tesla coil is the device that shoots out electricity, like in Frankenstein's lab. I've put a link to a video of that coil in the show notes. After our presentation, we chatted with some of our attendees and learned that there is so much more to this conversation. Specifically, the answer I gave about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, was met with wild opposition. Thank you to the five separate people who came up afterwards to explain NFTs to me. So my lack of knowledge will be corrected when we record an episode about them. So keep your ears peeled for that. So now let's get to the episode. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, We're recording this November 20th, 2021, and we're coming to you live from Live Design International in Las Vegas, Nevada. Live from Las Vegas! It's Saturday morning! (laughs) So, I am Ethan Steimel. I'm a lighting designer based in New York City, and I'm joined today by Ebony Madry, a lighting designer and production manager based in Los Angeles. Super, super excited to be here and share this physical space, like after 18 months of Zoom. And so like Ethan and I just met in person yesterday, but connected like last year? Was it last year? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So Ebony was on episode 29 of Artistic Finance talking about being a lighting designer and working for a company anyway, but how she manages her finances. So uh, check that out if you haven't. She's super high energy. On her episode, we talked about generational wealth and also passive investment and passive income. And generational wealth is only possible through multiple streams of income. And so who better to be here today than Ebony? So thank you for being here. And speaking about generational wealth, this is just my approach, right? This is my approach to building wealth for my family, for my future family. Again, designer background that kind of happens to be influenced by other people that created general generational wealth for me. So take everything kind of with a, a grain of salt. It's coming from our viewpoint. Yeah. LDI did not approve of our message here today. 
<laughs> if we say anything wrong. <laughs> okay, so today, what are we gonna cover, Ebony? Uh, multiple streams of income, what that means, why it's important, um, multi what multiple streams of income look like for workers in our industry. Uh, mostly because it, it's very different to build multiple streams of income in what we do, right? When we spend 12, 16 hours in a venue. So how do you create that wealth when you're spending the majority of your time in one place? Uh, and then we're gonna talk about some examples of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a question for you right off the bat. Very simple and basic question. What are multiple streams of income? So there is our base income, right? Something that you get uh, through a, a, a check monthly, through, uh, through working like a nine to five. Then we have our streams, right? Streams are something that are continuing, right? So getting one check is not a stream of income. So something that is constantly flowing and coming from you, whether that's passive, and we'll get into all that. And I, I will say that it's not, it's a stream, so it's not a one-off payment. Um, and that is, it's, it's such a gray area, especially in the entertainment, because it's like we have multiple clients, we have multiple jobs, but those are one-time payments. So it's like the continuation of them is the stream. And that's where it's, it's rather difficult for us to get enough income sources to be considered a constant stream. So I did some research in preparation for this about where this idea of multiple streams of income came from. If you go online to any sort of self-help, like how do I become a millionaire situation, it's always like you need multiple streams of income, which is sort of common sense, but it's just like understood. So I wanted to figure out where that came from. So in 2009, there was a book uh, by Tom Corley called Rich Habits. And he studied self-made millionaires uh, from 2004 to 2007. And he found that 65% of them had three streams of income. And then uh, of all that, 45% of them had four streams of income. And then 30% had five or more streams of income. So he's saying, look at these self-made millionaires. They have multiple streams. They're not just doing one job. And then there's also this idea that it's seven streams of income. Like that's the number. So I thought, well, where does that come from? So uh, I looked up and I found that there's a 2014 IRS study um, and it was called Over the Top, How Tax Returns Show That the Rich Are Very Different From You and Me. And in that, they break down that individuals have seven types of income. So that's sort of like if you go online looking to become rich and how do I build wealth, that's what you're gonna find is that everyone says, well, it's seven streams of income. Um, so that's the general knowledge. So, uh, Ebony, can you sort of explain a little bit more about what that general knowledge is? Yeah, I mean, so just echoing, it is, I say, you know, a lot of Googling, a lot of research. I think the beautiful thing now with the general knowledge base is that there are so many other places, like I feel like Google being so popular, but there's also like Instagram and Facebook, things that are making it more like readily available for people that don't necessarily always have access to that. Uh, so trying to break that that barrier in, in how you build your wealth. So uh, a lot of Googling, a lot of research, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because I simply just Google how to build wealth and how to become financially free. Um, and for some reason, I go back to that over and over again. I don't. I guess I don't follow the steps far enough. <laughs> and, and see, that's funny because mine is l literally. I mean, I say this all the time to Brianne, my partner. Is it's like generational wealth. Like I'm. I don't. I think because like I was fortunate enough to have that support system. I didn't have to, you know, in, in undergrad at, at, you know, studying theater, I didn't have to do a side job, right? Because I had that generational wealth. And so it's like, I, how do I give that back 
to the next you know generation after me so that's what I'm constantly googling and like also googling like okay how much money do I have to save a day to become a millionaire by the time I retire those kind of things are what I'm constantly yeah thinking. and it's also going from the survivor like I just have to work to make the next paycheck I just have to work which I I don't want to generalize a lot of live events workers but I feel that we all a lot of us are like that where it's like I can't stop working like I, I couldn't like when COVID hit yeah, some people, maybe older near retirement, they were able to just coast for a year or two, but anybody under 40 or maybe even under 50 had to do something. So they, I, you know, I don't really like the word pivot. It's just, there's a lot of baggage there for me, <laughs> but it was like you had to pivot. So you had to try something else. And, break, and I think like breaking that mold, right, of not just surviving, but how do I thrive, right? So I think that that was something that we all had a lot of time to think about and really deep like dip into our passions to figure out what do I need to thrive as well as you know be financially stable yeah because there are uh, artists who are financially free and who are doing well and there are quite successful ones and from talking to a number of my guests there are artists who you don't necessarily think are financially well off but they've sustained a career for 30 years or 40 years or uh, I know we saw the light talk uh, episode yesterday and they mentioned people working 50-year careers in the arts and we both looked at each other, we looked at each other and we're like we have to do this for 50 years oh, I don't know so but we probably will be doing this for 50 years mostly because we love it right okay so this this general uh, knowledge it's sort of made up of four parts so uh, the first is that the average millionaire has seven streams of income. And then the second part is that part of those income streams, one of them is a nine to five or a, st a steady paycheck job. And from there you branch off to the others. Uh, so then the third part is you just need to find six more streams of income besides that one. Um, Easy, right? Because like you have a lot of time outside of like, you know, being in a theater for yeah. 14 hours a day or in a venue for 14 hours. You got plenty of time. We're, we're not, we're not jaded at all, but you know, you get, you get off at 5 PM <laughs> and you go work up, you work on your other streams. Um, okay. So then the fourth step is very simple, very, very simple. You just keep those seven streams going and eventually you will be a millionaire. Everybody got it? We're done. Woo! We're there. We did it. Okay. So let's, let's break those down each. Um, because I don't think that that advice, which is general knowledge, uh, resonates very well with people in the arts community. So, all right, first one, the average millionaire has seven streams of income. That is a lot to it. I'm gonna come back to that one. Then there's your nine to five, right? I think, I feel like for anyone that, you know, and I'm gonna say this loosely, is like an educator, uh, at, at a university level, or that has a corporate gig, that's your nine to five. It's not really nine to five, but, that, that's your base, right? So you already have your one string. But, but I would also argue that, uh, at least from what I remember from theater school, was that the professors, even theater professors, yeah, they have their nine to five teaching, but they're usually helping mentor during techs on right, weekends. Right. I'm not gonna say the lucky few, but the hustling few, which is all of them actually, they're out designing on their own. On top they're... of that. And so if you're designing, I, everybody knows this, or, or, or doing any sort of freelance, TD, anything, you're putting in those hours that the theater workers are putting in. Even even if you do have your steady, because you have a steady job, right? Yeah, yes, it, and it, it, it is, um, I say, you know, my corporate gig, and it is not nine to five, it's often like 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. And so in that time, I would, you know, I would say, yes, I have my steady stream, but how do I get my others? Yeah, because we're all gig workers, 
uh, it means again that that one steady stream that we're starting with is actually several streams because even in tax year 2020 which was disaster for me I still had 12 w2s and 1099s so and that was in like the slowest year of my life that all is one stream even though you could argue well maybe that's 12 streams but it doesn't really in order to build wealth let's just say doing that I'm not on my way to becoming a millionaire so you would consider your freelance work that is one as yeah, a bundle I think so yeah I agree. okay so uh, all right but if you don't have a nine-to-five if you're a stagehand a technician electrician designer um, again it's not unusual to go from 8 a.m. to midnight do that six days a week which means that leaves you eight hours which you then have to commute with and so that it's just very difficult because you have eight hours of your life in which you need to find these multiple streams of income easy right but the other thing is we're also even when we're on jobs um, so I'm a freelancer but even when I'm on jobs I'm looking for the next job people with their steady nine-to-five job like they spend I don't know three months looking for a job and they put that much time and dedication into it because they know they're gonna have that for a long time and in theater at least like maybe Broadway you get a show and that will run you'll, you'll be on it for three or more four months and then if you're lucky that's gonna go to tour and that's gonna do that so that actually could be end up being a year of your life but even that is subject to the whims of when is the tour the tour got canceled the tour is moving oh and now you are doing another Broadway show this is not a problem I have having these <laughs> conflicting Broadway shows <laughs> Uh, but oh, you one Broadway show. Natasha Katz has this problem. Now you're doing two Broadway shows at one time. Well, that's impossible. That's an impossible thing. Uh, you know, maybe Ken Billington has enough assistance that he can say, oh, you know, put this assistant here, this assistant there. But that's very difficult in of itself. That's a whole crazy, crazy thing. So all I'm saying is just that freelancers, you have to find your multiple streams in that eight hours, which can prove difficult. <laughs> And I think that's really, and I don't, I, you know, I feel like we're skipping ahead a little bit, but I feel like that's where passive income is very critical because it's it's something that you don't actively need to participate in, but as long as you get it started, there there are multiple ways that you cannot physically use your energy but still continue to get that income, and I feel like that's really where yeah our industry of folks have to focus in order to build yeah their wealth. And, and it's certainly possible I'm making it sound like this impossible task but I mean a lot of these companies here started as one person doing something working on a little bit of software creating a fog machine doing something like this while doing all their gigs and then realized oh this was really useful to me I'm gonna follow follow up on this I'm gonna sell this to other people I'm gonna move on so a lot of these giant companies here I don't know how giant they are but they're, they're giant <laughs> Um, they started so it is possible people do it and in a way we have to do it so okay so then that third step which is find six more streams of income besides your freelancing besides your regular work and so these things have to be pretty neat niche and I would say like the common one online is oh go drive for a rideshare company um, <laughs> but I do not support that at all Well, and when you live in like a city right like most folks as you know especially you know, um, starting off, I feel like you generally gravitate to a larger city so that that way you can build yourself up. Well, if I have to commute to a venue, I don't want to spend 
hours driving other folks around, especially when I only have probably like eight or ten hours to spare. Like I need to eat, I need to sleep right. for three hours. <laughs> so, so I'm ruling that out for uh, live events workers only in the sense of, especially if you're a stagehand, you need your sleep. I had somebody named Mark Santos on the podcast before, and he is now an apprentice at uh, the Met. He's an IATSE apprentice, and just last week he said they're flying out of psych, it hit a piece of scenery, and the fabric is 50 years old from that that psych and the bottom pipe came out because the fabric ripped and it fell and somebody shoved him out of the way safety is important so in this eight hours that we have this we can't i feel like we can't be driving for lift yeah Um, i feel like that's a very common one and i think it's harder for for folks in our industry yeah a lot of this all boils back to time the multiple streams we need use a fog machine as an example but if if you're going to build a fog machine and then turn that into a company Time is what you need, but putting in a lot of time at the beginning, that's okay, and eventually, but you're gonna have to hire coaches, hire business people that know what they're, they're doing. Um, but time is the one thing. So as we're looking for these multiple streams, we just have to keep them passive. A lot of times the, it's like, oh, well, that's a big chunk of change to, to put into an investment that's actually gonna give you something passively. So like stocks or bonds, those are passive, but you need but to it obtain. Takes, yeah, it, it definitely takes the the funds to to invest in those and it's like okay how do i get those funds right uh do you have the ability to sell some things to get that those funds do you have the ability to borrow money to get those funds to pay folks back you know i think that there are multiple ways in which you can kind of build yourself up in order to have that money to invest all right so then the the fourth step in that general knowledge of wealth building which is you have your seven streams of income just keep them going, you'll be a millionaire. So easy peasy. Okay, so now I'm gonna circle back to point number one, um, which is where did the idea that the average millionaire has seven streams of income? Okay, so that IRS paper I mentioned before, so that breaks down the income sources of the very wealthy into seven categories. So those seven categories are, if, if I say the category, do you wanna say what it is? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. so uh, earned income. That's your paychecks, right? We talked about that. Investment income. So your dividends, your stocks. Rental income. Uh, real estate, right? Capital gains from selling appreciated assets. So like long-term holds. Yeah, so if you are if you bought uh, Picasso or a Monet. Yeah. Hold it for ten years and it's probably worth more. Okay, then there's or, or like uh, what was it? What was those? What were those? Um, the Beanie Babies. Those were gonna make everybody. <laughs> You're gonna be so rich off of those. Just hold on to them. They're gonna make you so much. You got it, guys. Still have them. <laughs> okay, so then uh, profits, income for businesses that that own. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then interest income. Uh, saving CDs, bonds, loans. Those are my favorites. And then royalty income. Uh, so selling rights or receiving royalty payments for something that you've written or invented or designed. Uh, those blessed few out there. The, but those are the Broadway, yeah, the, no, the, the long-running Broadway the long shows. Run, yeah. That's what some of us are after. Not me. No, yes, I am. Manifest. I am after a long-running <laughs> yes. Broadway show. Yes, yes. We <laughs> to existence. We get me some residual income. Um, it's going to happen. All right, so, so th- this breakdown is why every sort of piece of financial advice about becoming a millionaire always lists the number of passive income streams at, at seven. But I just want to point out that those are not really, those are just types of income, right? And that's broken down by the IRS for taxation purposes. Like that's not, 
like you can't really get those stuff. Like that's just explaining like how you're going to be taxed on it. So that's so that's so all I'm saying is that magic number of seven is not really a thing. So okay, so there's a a, a podcast that I listen to. Everybody listen to the Artistic Finance Podcast, number one podcast yeah, in the absolutely. world. Absolutely. Can I get a second? Anybody seconding that? Oh, many seconds. Okay. All right, but there's a second best podcast called Earn Your Leisure, yeah. and they have a recurring guest named Ian Dunlop, who's an investor. This was an offhand comment he made in one of the episodes, and he says, you know, from my research, I really think uh, millionaires have 27 or 28 streams of income. And I thought that was sort of eye-opening to me because it was like, okay, that's, he's, that's real talk right there. And I agree because these seven are not really seven. Those sevens are just saying this is how you're taxed. So good news, everybody. We actually need 26 or 27 or 28 streams of income. So also easy, right? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but the important thing is that you need more than paychecks. That's that's what this is really all boiling down to, which seems to be common sense, is common sense. But just a reminder that if you're gonna focus on building wealth, you really need something other than a paycheck. And it cannot be tied to time. That's, again, the thing of time. It can't, we're already in working our too much. In, in our, our industry. In our industry. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of, I think, coming to my favorite part and where really I focus a lot of my energy is in passive income. So just to define it again, um, that's income that comes in regardless of where you are and when. Um, it doesn't need you to be in a particular place, a particular time. It, it basically happens because you've put time, money into it. Right, you're, you're starting that investment, starting that base, and then it, it just kind of continues to flow from there. Okay, so Ebony, don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you have any passive income in your life? I, I do. So I, I, I would probably consider myself like a very uh, entry-level serial entrepreneur. Um, I have a couple little brainstorming ideas going on, but really my, my favorite one um, or most popular, I think, for myself is investing in day trading. Um, is is what I whoa. I, I well, just I'm started day here with a day trader. I just started day trading like uh, what maybe about a year ago, two years. Whoa. Ago. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Side note. So, did you get training for this? Yeah. I I mean I I, I talked to some people. I have a friend that is um, really great with investing. He works for um, one of the big companies. Uh, I always forget which one it is because he travels around a lot. But so we sat down and we talked about what, what to look for and how to kind of watch it and then when to pull, when to pull out. And, and so, yeah, no, it's been, it's been really good. Okay, I will say I did an episode with a sound engineer named Brandon Blackwell. And he, during COVID, he went to day trading. Oh, yeah. Th th I listened to that one. I listened to that Ah, he makes it sound not appealing to me. <laughs> Like he, it's because, stressful. Because yeah, it's stressful and it's another it's another bit of time. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you are doing that. Yeah. Because I was just like, you know, I investing passively is one thing. Actively day trading is a yeah. that's a whole new job. Yeah. But good for you. Yeah, no, just notifications on my phone. So that mostly because there are so many like helpful apps out there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes it a little bit easier. I think prior to these apps like Stash and Robinhood and things like that, it was more difficult. But now I can just set up a notification on my phone and be like, okay, 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 ah, I'm doing now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now let's move to what uh, multiple streams of income looks like for live event workers. So, Ebony, you, what does it look like for you in your life? Or, yeah. yeah, so working my corporate job, which is sometimes a 14, 16 hour day, I also am teaching on a university level, mostly mentoring students. So spending time in tech, time uh, on Zoom calls, time helping them focus with their paperwork. 
also doing theatrical freelance lighting design on top of video editing. So um, all of it is very little sleep still, but that that's kind of uh, my my life uh, in a little nutshell. Yeah, you're on your way. You have you had your multiple sleep. Yeah, I'm 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 there. I mean, you can tell by my my the look on my partner's face sometimes that she's not the happiest, but. Uh, but it all ends up working out because it's like, you need to sleep. You need to drink water. Why don't you drink water? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you if you want to take this. Yeah, let's see. Which is, do live events workers need multiple streams of income? Or do they only need it if they want to be millionaires? Oh, so this, I think it's challenging, right? Because, and it's, mess, it's, it's challenging mostly because of our, in our, our society and capitalism, right? So in order to live comfortably, oftentimes as gig workers, you need multiple streams, which is the unfortunate part, right? For me, I would say yes. I think you need the multiple streams in order to retire comfortably. How many people, if you're freelancing, you know, are you in the union? Are you able to have that retirement fund? Or do you need those multiple streams of income just so that you can have the money to put into savings so you're not kind of living paycheck to paycheck? Yeah, right? and, I, and I would also argue that a 401k or a union pension, that is actually made up of multiple streams with people who know what they're doing in finance, you know, until they don't. But for the most part, that is made up of multiple streams. So if we could just emulate what they're doing there with the investments, we could, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll find out what IATSU's plan is <laughs> and just imitate that. Um, also, I want to say that I, I'm speaking from a 33-year-old perspective, and I don't want to out you. No, no, 30, yeah, millennials. Okay, yeah, millennials, millennials, yeah. Up here. So, um, so this is our perspective. So if you're from a different generation, I see some different generation out in the audience here, you might have a whole different perspective. But I, I feel like I've been raised that multiple streams, you know, maybe starting when I was 18, 20 is when I was like, it just became like, everybody needs multiple streams like your self-value is if you're a business person you're we love you and and I, I'm gonna echo that one of my um, I, my grandmother my paternal grandmother Gammy we call her the bank of Gloria Leonard for the family she this woman the way that she has created multiple streams of income you know working as a pharmacy supervisor and then also having a, a radio talk show and all of these non-for-profit things it was like that's what I saw yeah. growing up so it was like oh yeah this is what i this is what i do right yeah. and, and i think that's that's when you mentioned generational wealth and you're saying how can i pass that on you're taking that initiative to think and you had great examples which is fantastic but you're conscious that you have to keep that going like if you don't i mean how many stories of you know a great fashion brand that went under when the kids or the grandkids took over because they didn't really know so i think it's good that you're actively taking it on even being a live events worker which is not a career choice that your lovely yeah. grandmother yeah. probably wanted you to go into. She, she was, she's supportive of it, but yeah, everyone in my family's medical industry, so it's like very, it's like, oh, I'm going to go off and do theater. It's like, oh, thank you, go for it. <laughs> Even the other day, my mom's like, oh, you want to go back to school for nursing? I'm like, no. Yeah. And I also just have to give the classic millennial example of, I had Jonathan Cerullo, who's a director and was previously a Broadway dancer, on the show, and he talked about being in Cats in 1981, and at that time, he said, oh, I was making great money. I was making 2000 a week as an actor on a Broadway contract. And I said, oh, wow, cool. And he goes, you know, it hasn't really changed that much. So I looked it up. It, I, I, I was having a little trouble finding the actual number, but roughly a Broadway minimum for an actor is 2300 right now. So that's 40 years later. It's not that much improved. And yeah, there's little stipulations. If they have to do little things, they can get paid more, et cetera, et cetera. But your base 
is $2,300. So that's 40 years we've gone with $300 increase in pay. I'm just saying that to, to reinforce the fact that we have to have multiple streams. It's not really an option. Um, and then the other thing is I want to say, let's not kid ourselves. Producers pay minimums. So IATSE has rules. They have minimums. USA 29 has rules. They have minimums. And we can all pretend that we make more than minimum. But if we do, it's very minimal. So longtime associates, so I'm speaking from the lighting design perspective, uh, a lighting associate or assistant, the long-term the long -term ones, they might make a little bit over minimum, uh, but their designer is probably fighting for them. Um, I have some designers that I've worked for that fight for me, and I have others that, that just stay out of it completely. I frankly actually like the ones that stay out of it completely, because the ones that think they know what I want, uh, no, it's not good. <laughs> Um, so anyway, but if, if, just if anybody disagrees with me on this, if you are a longtime Broadway or union contracted assistant or associate that's making over minimum, please email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com because I would love to have you on the show. So all this to say, let's not get ourselves, we're making minimum contracts. And then if you're working for a nonprofit Broadway, that is even less than that. So, so currently the USA 829 for an assistant is 1724 a week. If you are fortunate enough to be an assistant designer working on that fee for an entire year, for 52 weeks of the year, you're gonna make $83,000. And then that's W-2 income, so after 33% tax-ish, that's $76,000. And so remember, that's for the people that are at the top of the assistant game, working 52 weeks a year and taking no vacation, taking no sick time, and also being fortunate enough to be on a union contract for the entire year. That is enough money to live on, but you're really hustling boils out of the fact that you need multiple streams. You're gonna you're gonna need income outside of that if you want to retire happily. Not that the USA 29 pension is uh, bad. It's a wonderful thing. It's fantastic. And if you're working that much, you're gonna have a good pension. But it can only take you so far. Okay. So then, I in researching this, there was a blog post I came across called "How Much Do You Really Need to Live in New York City?" And so this was for a single person living in New York City, and the minimum minimum came out to thirty-one thousand dollars a year. So if you're fortunate enough to be making the 76,000, you still have to pay 31,000 minimum, and that's with roommates, with everything. So you have to live as frugally as possible, work your tail off. But that being said, you could still become a millionaire, I think. Yeah, no, the passive, the passive. <laughs> if you save 50% of your income and put it into something. So if you were to save 50% and only live off 50% of your income, that you could save $22,000 a year if you're living minimally on the Broadway contract for 52 weeks a year. So $22,000 invested at a 6% return today in 30 years from now, so in 2050, you would have $1.8 million. That's fantastic, but you're only gonna do that if you're a really good lighting associate and you're sort of part of the FIRE community, which is financial independence, retire early, if you're really dedicated to doing that and your family has to be on board with that, <laughs> with you working that much. So this is just a you know, nail in the coffin here that we do need multiple streams of income. Um, disagree with me if you will, but we, we do. Yeah, so I think, I, I think let's uh, jump back into the passive incomes, defining those, breaking those down a little bit more. So there are three types. There, there is the passive income, which we'll break down. There's partial passive investments, and then there's your active side hustles. So with your passive investments, there are dividends, which is money that is paid out, uh, often quarterly. So if you invest, if you're a shareholder, those get, those get paid back to you. Often, oftentimes, and you know, 
25, per, 25 cents or dollar increments, uh, but you'll get there. Uh, there's also um, CDs, which are um, certificates of deposits. So basically you invest uh, an amount of money or put amount, an amount of money into a bank over an extended period of time, then they return that money to you plus what you originally put in. So finding um, finding those opportunities. I also want to throw in again my 33-year-old perspective, which is that CDs are a joke. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, I was like, mm, mm. I mean. But, but it exists, it yeah, exists, exists and it's yeah, better than doing nothing. Them. Yeah, we're finding them, yeah. And then uh, money lending, going back to uh, the Bank of Gloria Leonard. Uh, she <laughs> is definitely a money lender and putting interest uh, uh, on things, so loaning that money out to someone. But again, these are all things that you you also need money to do. Um, so kind of getting that base so that you can build up that, that uh, passive um, investment income. And then investing in companies, there are several apps for this. Stash, Robinhood, I really love those apps, mostly because you don't need a lot of money for those. You can do like $5, $10, and great opportunities are on there like i mean there's tesla there's apple you know invest in those companies that you know one that you know that you can do the research on that are public but they're so easily accessible and the fact that you can put five dollars towards you know some tesla stock and if you do that every couple of weeks like oh cool i'll i'll have i have a little tesla all right if you're not here in the room with us this is the tesla coil going off <laughs> Which is super cool. It's, it's like super cool. Everybody should check it out. But it makes quite a bit of noise. We can see it from our perspective, but you, you probably can't. But anyway, yeah, El Ellen, who invited us to give this talk, apologized. She said, I put you on the show floor, and I just want you to know it's going to be a little noisy. Yeah. No, I, I think it's cool. I think it's super cool. It's pretty amazing. It, it plays songs sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I, I want to say that talking about Robin Hood and buying stocks and, and company, this, of course, requires money to be invested. So that's a key part of this, is we have to prioritize investing. Um, because in order to make money, you need money, or you need creative thinking and movement, but we're working so much, we don't always have time for the creative thinking and movement. So the easy way for us to do it is to purchase passive investments. Um, so I went and found that on the S&P 500 right now is Lumen Technologies, L-U-M-N is the ticker. It has the highest paying dividend in the S&P 500. And in order for you to buy enough of that to give you $12,000 a year uh, of income, because I figure if you could get three things at $12,000 a year, that's $36,000 of passive income, that's, that's a pretty good start. <laughs> but in order to do that, you need to own 48,000 shares. And the shares are currently $13 a share, so you need merely 625,000 shares, which sounds ridiculous, and I realize that I'm saying that out loud, but you have to start somewhere, and you have to start buying, and that price will go up. You know, we have to invest. It seems intimidating, and it's like, well, that's not a way to wealth, but, but if I, it's I, one- I think, I think just like buy, biting it off in, in, in pieces, I think breaking it down and looking at it, not just like, oh my gosh, I, I have this huge thing that I need to do, but it's like, what little steps can I take in order to build that that wealth for myself for generational wealth yeah now what about can you talk about the like partially yeah, passive yeah, yeah absolutely so rental properties you know if you if you have a home that you can you know afford to rent out and move into something else if you can go in you know with a group of people uh and get a rental property that's a great opportunity uh franchises uh i uh, really really want to start I'm, I'm really really these are my serial entrepreneur things i want a dunkin donuts i want one so bad like, i don't know why but like a dunkin i don't know it just, it just seems like something that 
you know what they do, right? It's donuts, right? That's something that you're not trying to sell a lot of things. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, we didn't get enough of this or that to make, you know, sandwiches or whatever. It's like, no, it's just donuts. Hey, you know, donuts listen. and maybe a couple sandwiches, a little coffee, super chill. So uh, owning franchises. I, I'm going to make that my goal to go in with you to get a Dunkin' yeah, franchise. Really, All right, everybody here, we're going in with Ebony. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not? It's like a couple of us go in. It's like, look, look at that. It's easy. I think I sort of looked into it. It yeah. takes like 800000 to start up. Yeah, yeah. So but hey, uh, yeah. what's 800000 amongst friends, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. business partners, yeah, yeah, business yeah. associates. Yeah, no, it's coming. Uh, selling products. So if you're one of those true, true creative people that can make things, I'm not one of those. If you can make things that you can sell. Yeah, and I want to say with COVID, I'm sure we've all run into this a lot this past year, two years. I know a lot of people that started making things. Yes, um, no, I have, my housemate um, makes amazing, like, Filipino, like, empanadas, and she started selling them. I mean, she was still actively working, but because she had time, she was like, oh, I'm just going to start making empanadas, and people would, like, order them and... I mean, the house smells great, but it was very tempting to not eat those people's orders. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just really excited because even last week I was working with a stage manager named Owen, and he says, oh, yeah, you know, I listened to your show, I really like it. I was like, oh, cool, cool, you listen? And he was like, hey, and I just want you to know that I make these leather pieces, and I sell them on Etsy, and I have an Etsy store, and I started that. So I'm interested to see, you know, the people that have started stuff in the last two years, what actually takes off because again that goes back to that time like he can only make so many leather pieces and your friend can only make so many empanadas right. however some of these people are you know some of these people sitting in this segment right here might take their plan and figure out how to systematize it mm -hmm. you know how to make how to get other people to make the empanadas how to design a leather piece that you then can create a business out of it. so i'm really interested to see see where all these people goes because as work has been returning i've noticed that people are doing it less because yeah. they're getting their income exactly from, and no i think that that was the the beautiful thing there were there was some beauty in COVID as people just had a little bit more time to do those things that brought them other other senses of joy and most of the time it's because they, they were really good at it already but they just yeah. didn't have time yep. for it right? yep 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 um, other ways are writing books, creating uh, course material, digital course material, which I feel like now, especially in our industry, is so, I feel like it, it's getting better. But I remember when you could not find a Vectorworks tutorial on YouTube. It was like, what is that? When you would search for it, right? So I, I think getting into those type of tutorials now and cultural yeah. trainings. And, and, and I'm actually currently taking part in the Actors Fund LinkedIn Challenge, which is first I had to join LinkedIn, and then I have to post every day. So everybody connect with me and you'll see that I'm for, for six more days I am posting every day and then after six days then you're like oh what's LinkedIn we'll see they encourage us to continue on <laughs> but Alexandria Bellavan who's the teacher she has created this whole course so it's like three classes anyway but I am actually finding value in courses like I've never really actually bought one or purchased one but uh, Brandon Blackwell he bought a stock stock trading course and he learned and like that is so much more efficient than college I, I, I was telling actually some of my students about this and I was like, this might be bad for me to say, but I was like, if I had the resources that you all have right now on a laptop, I don't know that I would have went to school for the period that I went for. I would not have. Because everything's else. I mean, I, I, I love learning. So like, I'm always teaching myself something like lynda.com is like amazing. So it's like, I don't know that I would have gone to school if I had those resources. Yeah, and this also is I'm talking about multiple streams of income. If you're thinking, oh, I can create a course, because that's also a common thing when you go like, oh, what are passive ideas that I can do? One of the things is make a course. And I've always sort of viewed that as 
who wants to hear what I have to say? Like, but that being said, and also with artistic finance, people are like, oh, you should create a course. You should sell it. You can go teach it at schools. You can do all this. And even now I have imposter syndrome because I'm like, I, I'm just asking people about finance. I'm just asking successful people what they have done. I'm asking Ebony, how does, how do you do it? How do you do it? Um, but that being said, I'm now partaking as a student and part of these courses and I'm actually seeing value. So I'm not planning anything right now, but if anybody's thinking like, oh, I, I just want to make a course, I, I say do it. Because one, you'll learn a ton from doing it, but two, also like, I, I'm interested. Like I, LinkedIn, I know, yeah, I'm young and hip and you think I should know how to use LinkedIn? Well, I don't. And I'm taking a class for it. It is really helpful. Um, um, oh, the third, the third step. Yeah, the so, third, the third step, which is active. Act, yeah, active side hustling. So teaching. Um, I am an educator. Mentorship is super important to me. So giving back in that way. So teaching, consulting uh, on things, whether that is uh, again speaking from the lighting perspective, whether that's consulting on an architectural gig, on an interior gig, those kind of those kind of opportunities, and then uh, subscription services. There, there are a lot of other pages and opportunities out there for those things. This is just a side note for me that side hustles. I've also, it's been so ingrained in my brain that we all need a side hustle. Like, especially if you're in the arts, like you have to have a, a side hustle. So I'm just sort of like annoyed by it. But literally there's a show on Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon being for children. And the show is called Side Hustle. So that is like the American way. I haven't watched it. Maybe okay, I, I was like, yeah, what are they talking about on there? I suspect they're talking about side hustling. But <laughs> um, also also on my plane down here, I ran into uh, somebody named Alex Kyle, who works at the Lang Design Group. And he said, oh, I'm not going to make your session. But And then he just went into talking about multiple streams of income. But, he, but he's a lighting director. He does a lot of news. And he's like, yeah, you know, it used to be that you set up the news, and then you have a board op and maybe a gaffer or whatever that are on site. And so, yeah, you set up the initial design. You get paid for it. And then you have a recurring stream of income that's that's keeping going. And he goes, and now with YouTube and everybody just everybody generating content, he says you set it up and then you walk away and they just run it on you. And he goes, now that can still be a passive income stream for you if you get a number of clients and then they need maintenance every once in a while or they mess something up. I've seen some really messy show files of situations like this where you show up and they're running it themselves via a magic sheet and they press some wrong things and it's a disaster zone. But anyway, the industry is changing and it changes over time. You can't rely on the old income streams, but side hustling, active side hustling. And, and I wanna say that active side hustling, I used to also sort of be like, well, arts workers don't have time for an active side hustle. That being said, I did start artistic finance and I then created a Patreon page, patreon.com slash artistic finance. And I've always been like side hustles, that's so not cool, so not cool, and now I have one. So should we now get to examples of people in the arts industry that have multiple streams of income? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. So um, Ken, Ken Billington, right, the uh, lighting designer, residuals, right, from Chicago, from wait Waitress, um, lots of shows uh, out there that yeah. that are constantly bringing in yeah. income. He did uh, Dolly Parton's Stampede, yeah. which is one of my all-time favorite shows, run, running in Branson, Missouri. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, also on the show, I had Michael Strickland, who is the owner of Bandit Lights. And this goes back to that whole thing of the seven is not the magical number because he just has Bandit Lights. He doesn't have something else, just Bandit Lights. But Bandit Lights has a lot of, I mean, I don't know their books. I know nothing about the company other than it's a, a giant company. But 
he only has one income stream, but that income stream is made up by a bunch of clients. Multiple returning clients, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not going anywhere. And the same for Ken Billington. He has, all, he has the residuals, and that's really like what people need. Um, and then I also had Irene Gandhi, who she's a, a Broadway press agent. She's also a producer. She also sells fur coats. So like she is, <laughs> she's like, you're like, oh, wow, she's a producer. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I hustle. My hustle is selling fur coats. Yeah, no, super cool. Uh, and then there's Brandon Blackwell, uh, sound engineer, <laughs> stock trader. Brandon is uh, is <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, he's also he, for Lizzo, right? The engineer for Lizzo. Ah, man, that's yeah, yeah. I manifest this like every day in my journal. I write this down like design stage for Lizzo, design stage. For Lizzo. It's coming. It's coming. It's I'm I'm speaking it into existence. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I just want to go into my streams of income, just like full disclosure. There's no reason for me to say this, but I feel like I want to say this, <laughs> just being honest here. Uh, so my streams of income right now, 2021, uh, I do lighting design, I do lighting director work, I do programming work. Right now I'm assisting set designer John Lee Beatty on an archiving project, which you know has nothing to do with lighting or whatever, but I I'm doing that as an income source. Um, I also have a little bit of dividends from brokerage accounts, and I'm doing a series on the show uh, called The Artistic Finance 6K, where we took $6,000 and we invested $1,000 into different things, and it's just me picking alternate investments. But So I have a little bit of dividend income, which I don't really count as income because it's like it's just there for when I retire, you know what I mean? So it's not really, but I technically do have that. And then my Patreon page, aforementioned, uh, is bringing after fees and after I give to other patrons, that's giving me $70 a month, which is... You know, it's not it's not zero, okay? Right, right, right. And I mean, like $70, that's like, that's, you know, you being able to, if you want to, oh, okay, I can use this money to, like, go out or do something. Or I can just use it and let it sit there or use it to invest back in something, so. I'm paying off my microphone. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but I'm saying this to be honest because here I'm talking about multiple streams of income and, you know, who am, who am I? But I am very aware that I need to create a product or I need to create, you know, I need to follow Michael Strickland and create Bandit Lights. I'm, I'm very aware of that. <laughs> so, but I just want to say that. I think we all do. So, you know, maybe we don't have anything now. Maybe we're just freelancing. But we all need our mindset to be investors. Like, we have to be investing. And the easiest, I find the easiest way is to save some of that paycheck and put it into stocks. And, and, and just to go back, because you mentioned, you know, oh, we're just sitting there for your retirement. Your, your long term is for a comfortable retirement. Right? Like, and so what are you doing for that retirement? Wow. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, yeah. Our hero. Um, okay, so I think it's time for us to wrap up. Thank you, everyone, for uh, being here this long with lots to see, like that Tesla coil over there. Um, okay, so Ebony, what did we learn today? Uh, multiple, what multiple streams of income means and why it's important what multiple streams of income look like for workers in our industry and then we broke down a couple of uh examples of that i mean we have do we have a little bit of time do we oh do you want to do a q questions do questions yeah yeah let's do some let's do some. i was very nervous before we before we start to wrap questions. let's do some well, if we don't know what it do we, know? Can, we can just google it like we do everything perfect else. we have wi-fi here <laughs> All right, uh, I can see that some people have some questions. This is imaginary, I see no one with a hand up. Uh, but does anybody have any questions about anything we talked about, anything we sort of skipped over and, and avoided the topic of? Or expand on if you want us to expand on it. Yeah, we can talk, we have no problem doing that. Okay, oh, 
our hero. Um, will you come up here and speak into this mic? Because I don't know how speakers work, and I'm afraid to cross yeah, that line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did come a little late, so I do apologize for that. But uh, did you guys talk about rentals as another source of passive income? Man, oh man, I can't believe I didn't even think about that. That's a really good one. Um, uh, wait, for asking the question, there's a free LDI water bottle back there for you. <laughs> Outside, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'm I'm so glad you actually brought that brought that up because there that is a really great um, that's a great way to have that almost passive income right here. Uh, maybe a little bit of maintenance when you get the gear back, but that's brilliant. Not oh, you were talking about rental of gear. Of gear, yeah. Oh, I thought no. you meant rental of property. No, no, it's like it was like oh yeah, I didn't even. It's like yeah, there's property, but like in our industry, what relates more to us, right? So like. You can have a couple of speakers. You can have a couple of lights. Yeah. You know, I know people that I would go, hey, do you have a like a, a Lego that I can borrow a couple of Legos or a couple of gobos? Da, 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 you know, so that's brilliant. I think that that's, that's yeah. There, there's a lighting designer in New York City named Jamie Roderick, and he has uh, before COVID, it was a it was a storage facility I think in, in Brooklyn. He just rented a place, and if you had gear, if you were a free little freelancer, you would you would take your gear there and you would put it in the garage, and then if anybody needed it, say they needed a Lego or whatever, and they're working on this little off 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 Broadway show. You go there, you get some gobos, you get it, it all, you know, all just free of charge, all that. Um, but he right there is setting himself up, I think. Um, and then actually during COVID, so I myself in my apartment had a bunch of gear. I did, I did, I had like two Lecos and all the lenses, like, And you how know, did Nicole feel about that? Oh. We're still, we're still, we're still together. <laughs> uh, no, but I called up Jamie during COVID and I said, here, I'm reevaluating my life. I'm getting out of the industry. I'm leaving. Come clear this apartment. So I gave him all my gear, all my cable, all my everything, and I, but I kept some. I have a unique 2.1 Hazer, which is like my pride and joy. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I actually myself have rented it out a couple times. Yes, that's a very valid uh, a way to do it, um, and you can start small. That's a scalable thing. Buy one thing. Um, the thing I actually, I'm actually thinking, I love unique Hazers. Looks, Look Solutions Inc. is not paying me to say this. <laughs> but. They're the booth with the haze at the very beginning. I love those hazers, and so I own one. A couple weeks ago, I was gonna buy another one, but it's like, a, they have a DMX, sorry, this is a super tangent, but they have a little wireless one that you could like make a wireless, it, yeah, oh my gosh, anyway, but it's DMX, it's wireless, it's $1,500, $1, I'm thinking about getting it. Um, no, that, but that's, yeah, that's a great one, I think, especially for, for our industry, right? Because it's like, you could buy a piece of gear that you need or something that you need, like a console, right? Oh, I'm not, I probably won't use this console all yeah. the time unless I'm like, you know, going out on tour with the with the yeah. gig or working on a TV show, yeah. but. Oh, that reminds me, I have a Nomad too. I have a One Universe Nomad. And the other thing that I find myself as a designer always needing are string bolt. That's what I always need. So I'm constantly buying those. And every time I buy them, I'm like, I need to set up an Amazon shop and sell this one thing because I am always buying this and I will always just buy for myself. Great idea, yeah. great plan. Do, are you, do you rent out anything right now? I you totally uh, should. Yeah, no, you definitely should. What's what's your what's your feel? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And where are you from? Uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. You looking for work? <laughs> Omg. Yeah. This is LinkedIn for real. <laughs> We just did the real thing. Uh, the other thing was, is when I was watching, oh wait, no, that was about rental. I'm gonna talk about rental, like property for a moment. Because when I went, so I went to see a Cirque show yesterday, Michael Jackson, and there's like 70 people in the cast. or some insane number. And I'm thinking, well, this is Las Vegas, which is not New York City. So I bet all these people own homes. Eh, you disagree with me. Okay. But I was thinking here, maybe they could rent out their extra room or something. 
Yeah, the New York yeah, is a little yeah, harder. Yeah, no, Room Rental, I think, is awesome, too. Okay, so thank you for that yep. question. Enjoy your free water bottle. Uh, does anybody else have a question? <laughs> All right, can you come up here and ask it? OMG, do you know anything about NFTs? Okay, because I want to do an episode about this. So anybody here, if you know about NFTs. So basically, do you know NFTs? Okay, so, so NFTs are, uh, my summary of it is it's uh, cryptocurrency. So it's a cryptocurrency tied to, okay, say, say this logo here. We could break this up into 100 pieces and give everybody here one of the pieces and we'd say it's worth whatever we decide to, to, it's worth. So when we say give it to you, I mean, I'll sell it to you for a dollar. So we, it's not worth $100. Well, if we hang on to that, if we make more value, if people split up those little pieces, basically it works like cryptocurrency and that you own. So I think NFTs are obviously the future. Uh, they are here right now, but we haven't figured it out. Well, well I mean, um, think about things like you know, Venmo, right? Like that's like technically kind of a little bit of crypto, right? In the, in the like back and forth of it. Yeah. And I'm not investing in NFTs right now, but I'm trying to think how, were you wondering how NFTs would work in our industry? Because that I don't, you know what? I'm going to have to say I'm not knowledgeable enough to know how, because I know like on the show we invested in wine and wine, they're working on making like the bottle would come with an NFT of its own so that you know that that's the wine that's the real thing so you could do that in our industry is like assign an nft to every light that's sold or even a show maybe would it work like that that maybe a show everybody can invest in a show through an nft so not a great answer but yes nfts are the future and as the dust settles we'll see how that's all working yeah i also like cryptocurrency yeah. specifically bitcoin yeah. but anyway you can listen to the show if you want listen to past episodes of the show <laughs> But also, if anybody knows anybody that knows a lot about NFTs, I would love to talk about that on the show. So we're going to wrap this up. It's really important to talk about finances, especially in our industry. Ebony, thank you for being brave enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, I mean, even, you know, actively in when I was, you know, in grad, in, in undergrad, in grad school, it was always like, hey, you know, you'd ask your mentor, hey, how much do you make? And it was like, nobody really wanted to say what they were doing and how they were making money and how they were surviving because it I feel like it's always thought of as like as artists we're always starving right but it's like well no I see you like actively working and how does that work for your life so I feel like we have to be more transparent as a whole in the industry about finances and money because if we're not we're, it's just you know we're ne people are never going to come out of you know paycheck to paycheck living yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to talk on an individual level because when contract negotiations are going on, when Atsu's doing you know, a strike or something like that, yes, we talk about it. We talk how important it is. But I think on the individual level, the IATSE members are important. So we have to take care of our own finances and then, then we can talk on a broader scale. But for me, it's like, well, how do you save? How do you invest? Do you have a, a Roth 401k? Do that for yourself first before we can get to these other because we all know we need to talk about it and, and we do but we like really do so we need to talk about it with your peers so anyway thank you for for being here and talking about that with us uh i can't end this without saying if you would be so kind to follow artistic finance on any podcast app or on youtube um if you find value in the conversations we're having please say thank you by giving us a rating and review on apple podcasts um, and if you really feel so inclined, uh, you could buy us an NFT, perhaps, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, or you could become a Patreon of the show at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And in return, 
you'll get a private podcast feed and you'll get early releases to the episodes, except when I'm attending LDI, in which case you will get late episode <laughs> releases. Um, and if you are in LA uh, and you need an event put together, um, Ebony yeah. is a damn good designer. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she can she can take an empty parking lot and create And an do crazy, event. crazy, exhausting things in it, but it's fun. I'm very blessed, very yeah. blessed, yeah. Yeah, but you can, you and you have to pay her, and that will be one of your income streams. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, Ebony, where can people connect with you um, if you want them to? On, on any social media, Eb Madjury, Ebony Madjury, my website is ebmadjury.com, uh, but, but I'm on all the socials uh, as well, so. Cool, all right. Uh, and if you're in New York City and you need somebody to design lights for a Broadway show, I am very, very available for that right now. And also, again, I joined LinkedIn last week, so connect me there. Uh, th I did it at the suggestion of lighting designer Don Chang, who was like, Ethan, you have to do it. Also, Beth Taramsha, she uh, was in theater. She's now an architectural designer. But she also said, Ethan, it's the adult thing to do. <laughs> so she guilted me into it. But I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. Um, so that wraps it up for us. Thank you again, yeah, Ebony. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You guys right. have been amazing. Um, so that's it for today. So until next time, break a leg, everyone. Yeah. Let's go create. Yeah, let's go create. That's it for this week's episode. My big takeaway was that NFTs are the hot topic right now. So be looking for our episode on that. But what do you think? Are you an artist or freelancer with multiple streams of income? How does that work for you? Are you on your way to becoming a millionaire? Let me know by leaving a comment on YouTube or Instagram or email artisticfinancepodcast.gmail.com. And of course, join the conversation on LinkedIn. That's now where I'm trying to be active. Ebony and I loved this experience. We hope to be invited again next year. So mark your calendars for November 18th and 19th, 2022 to attend LDI in Las Vegas. I'd absolutely love to meet any listener in person, and I'm happy to get a ticket to anyone who wants to go, even if you don't attend our artistic finance session. Thank you to Ellen at Live Design for the invitation. Thank you to the hosts of lighting podcast Light Talk for attending our session and supporting our show. And thank you to Ebony and her partner Brianne for traveling from Los Angeles. And thank you to Nicole, my partner, for traveling from New York to attend the show. This was my first ever public speaking engagement, and to say I was extremely nervous would have been a huge understatement. Thank you to our audience for being more than engaged. Going live on stage is a completely different experience than recording in the privacy of my home, like I'm doing right now. After the session, someone mentioned to me that I sounded way more confident at LDI compared to the very first episode of Artistic Finance. And while I wouldn't say I'm a confident public speaker now, Compared to the Ethan from episode one, I'm basically Winston Churchill. Because I strongly believe that artists need to be discussing finance and need to be having honest money conversations, I put myself out there and I continue to do so. So if you're an introvert, know that I see you, I get you, and I'll support you in any way that I can when you put yourself out there. So if you like this content and want to keep it going and see us at LDI again, Please remember to follow and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. An Apple podcast review is always a wonderful thing if you have it in your power to leave one. And if you're feeling particularly supportive of the content I'm creating, please join the 20 other artistic financiers who have become patrons. And when you pledge your support, you'll get early access to episodes and a private podcast feed. 
do that at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And the final thought for today. Our most recent patron has instigated a movement to replace our theme music. So if you have an opinion to keep it or replace it, email me at artisticfinancepodcast.gmail.com and let me know. That's it for today. Until next week, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.